Welcome to Alter Economics Presents. I'm Alex. I'm Jared. And I'm Laura. And it's Wednesday as we're recording this. So that means it's Thursday if you're listening to this the day it drops, because that's how it works. It, we record it the day before it drops, because that's just what I do. For now. For now. Until I decide otherwise, or until schedules change, or who knows. Uh, but yeah, we're back, everybody. Yay! Um, we're surviving the nearly 60-degree temperature, you know, before it drops down to the 20s tomorrow. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. That's Ohio for you. Like, oh, you think the weather is one way, then wait 24 hours. It's mm-hmm. something almost completely different. But. As long as we don't get fire tornadoes, I'm okay. Or sharknadoes. I don't want. I don't really want yeah. that either. Or. Pretty much any NATO. I don't really like tornadoes. Yeah, I, I'm good without that. Without uh, no tornadoes, no hurricanes. Even if we have a hurricane, then we're in some yeah. serious trouble. Yeah. This far inland, if we get hurricanes, we're all dead <laughs> at much. that point. That's a heck of a hurricane. Yeah. Uh, never say never, though, because it's Ohio. It can happen. name that one Hurricane Jared. <laughs> <laughs> Hurricane Oh No. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, um, this week for our book club book, we we decided to pick March, and we decided to use that to pick our theme for the week, which is comic books that are inspired by real life. To some degree, or not. some are loosely based off of reality some are more accurate like how march is more accurate mm-hmm. um so i don't know how your guys' list turn out but mine's a little bit of the gamut of both of reality and eh, not so much um the first one i have uh, on my list though i haven't had a chance to read it yet unfortunately but it's on my list too because it was a 2021 eisner award winning for best reality based uh comic book and that is kent state for dead in ohio that was the Kent State protest in the 70s, I want to say-ish. I, I lost my phone, so you're in charge of Google. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> Listen in front of me. Uh, Jerry can Google it, too. I'll Google it. Yeah. I, I asked before we started. Yeah, I know. No, you said <laughs> before you started oh. that. You lost your phone that everyone else is in charge of Google. Anyway, um, yeah, it, uh, for me, it stands out because I always remember the song, Four Dead in Ohio. Yeah, uh, I did not know what that meant until, yeah. like, two years ago. Yeah. May 4th, 1970. Was that a – that wasn't a Saturday, was it? Because that would be a terrible free comic book day. I, I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> I mean, it was before free comic book day started, but, like, ooh, uh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but, yeah, it's – I flipped through it today. I was looking at the shop of, like, stuff I can use for the category. I was like, oh, yeah, this guy that has been on my list for a while, just haven't had a chance to read it yet. We may discuss it on the podcast sometime yeah, soonish because be a good one to do. it's Ohio. It is a little bit thicker though, so I know we so we don't want to go too thick of a book for an episode. But unless we say, "All right, in two weeks we're gonna do this," so start reading up now. Yeah, because yeah, after we did Hawkeye, like that was that, that was a whole was a bunch. Bit much, yeah. So, but yeah, that is Kent State Four Dead in Ohio. Uh, who would like to go next? Um, I can go next. Uh, this one's from. Uh, it's called Leica. It's about the cosmonauts the russian dog where they sent the dog into space um it kind of gives you different viewpoints from the uh like the chief engineer the person that was building the rocket and who who was in charge of launching it uh the dog trainer and from Leica, the dog itself so, I mean, so they took some liberties with the dog's yes, perspective cause... exactly yeah but uh, it's about the dog it was a stray um, it was kind of mistreated when it was younger, and it was uh, looking to gain human affection. And it's one that uh, you know it shows a lot of different viewpoints because the dogs or the the humans they they know the dogs aren't prob- probably going to survive. It's a one way uh, trip. Yeah, pretty much. So it had a lot of different uh, viewpoints from the aspect of this is a one way trip for the dogs. Um, it's it was sad. You know, it's a sad story, but it's really interesting to see how that is portrayed in this storytelling form. Right. Uh, normally, Lord would go next, but I want to interject. Since you mentioned that one, I want to go with Pride of Baghdad also is on my list of inspired by true events from an animal, animal perspective that obviously we don't know. <laughs> and it ends with a sad note as well. Like, mm-hmm. uh, slight spoiler alert, but it's been out for... A Over long time a now. It's yeah, been out it for a like while. 2000. I don't remember what year it came out. Early. Two, I mean, it was after 9 11 because that was the whole 
Baghdad free that bombing and all that. Say like two thousand eight or something. But it's from the perspective of a bunch of lions that were in, held in uh, one of Saddam's private prison or private zoos, and it has them busting free and have the debate on: Is it better to be safe, like you're well fed, taken care of, but you're captive, or is it better to be free and you never know what dangers are out in the world and everything? And it ends on a sad note where all the lions get shot down. So, like I said, it reminds me of the Leica of like, oh, it's going to be sad. But the story along the way, it's a really good story. And the art is phenomenal. I really enjoy that. And It's written by one of my favorites, Brian K. Vaughn. Yeah. Who did Why the Last Man, Saga, Paper Girls, and a bunch of other stuff. A whole bunch of other stuff, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I figured that, was, that would tie in pretty well with Leica, of yeah. another animal perspective. Yep. One. It's been a long time since I've read that one. That's one I wouldn't mind sitting down and reading again. And it is self-contained, Ta-da. too. Yeah. It's one and done, and you don't have to worry about a bunch of issues or anything. Right. It's, and since it's from a lot of uh, animal perspective, it's something – it's a book that I remember enjoying the art of it because there wasn't mm-hmm. much dialogue or anything like that. They, they do have the animals talking to each other, but the they art keep was it amazing. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, Laura, what is on your list? Um, the next one I went with, I guess the first one I went with, was Kurt Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse-Five or The Children's Crusade that was adapted into a graphic novel by Ryan North and Albert Montes, Um, I think it's two years ago or so now. Yeah, I think that's about right. Because uh... I don't think we read it last year. I think that it was the year before that, maybe even three I think it was. I after, guess I I'm pretty look. sure it came out after the pandemic. It, it is one of those like 2020 and 2021. They bled into each other so much because we missed half of 2020, and it's hard. I I want to say it came out in 2021. It says uh, September 2020 for the copyright uh, at least. Okay, so, so probably 2020 ish. then. It might have been the tail end of 2020. Yeah, because I feel like it was out for his birthday, which is in November. Okay, that makes sense then. Because I think that's the last time we really talked about it in depth. So, again, apologies to our loyal listeners, Al, because you've probably heard me talk about this book before. But it is very loosely, I guess I should say portions of it are loosely based on Kurt Vonnegut's experience when he was a World War II soldier. And he was captured by the Germans and put into... Let's see, I'm trying remember exactly how that went i guess he was just a prisoner of war so he POW was on camp probably well he didn't exactly make it to the camp that's okay. part of the story so they they put him on this train and there's a lot of talk in this book about how how conditions were in the train because um pilly pilgrim is i said that wrong billy pilgrim is the the person that represents kurt in this book which is also ironic because in other Kurt Vonnegut books, it's Kilgore Trout is his alter ego. But in this particular one, anyways, so Billy Pilgrim represents Kurt's storytelling, his perspective as he's being captured in this in this book, and like there's his time cramped in the the trains being transported to where they end up is. Dresden. Sorry, I had to think for a minute. And there's actually a, a firebombing, and they take shelter inside a slaughterhouse. That's why it's called Slaughterhouse Five because it had like it was refrigerated and very thick walls and all that, and they were safe-ish. And they <laughs> they took shelter in there. And compared to everywhere yeah. else, yeah. that was the least dangerous place to be at a bombing site. Yeah, and when they came out, and everything was like leveled, and they loot the bodies to survive and go about their business and it's it's very more sad i feel like a lot of things based on true life are sad because a lot of people like if you're going to talk about your life you're going to talk about like really intense moments and a lot of those are sad or your comedy or tragedy that's the way it goes yeah because not everybody just wants to hear about good stuff all the time either and that that kind of gives you the chance to think oh my life's not so bad and that's another another side of this book is i think less based on kurt vonnegut's life um but it's like the happier parts of billy pilgrim's life i think those were more more fiction (laughs) which is terrible (laughs) to say but but are you saying he wasn't a happy person well i guess that's another point i should make i feel like one of the big draws of this book is they call billy unstuck in time because he kind of he at least remembers and tells the story 
out of order. And I always wondered if that was a comment on like post-traumatic stress syndrome, how like you fall asleep for a second and like you're back in the war. You don't even realize that you're you're dreaming or you're hallucinating or however that works for your mindset, like things just happen. And I feel like that was a big comment that Kurt Vonnegut was making in this book that after you go through some horrific things, you're never the same and they never really leave you. They're always there in the background. And it makes sense that it would jump around from that standpoint, like different triggers and reality would trigger different parts of your past then as well. So mm-hmm. if you're like a free flowing thought, like it's not the same strain consciousness, so it's not super linear, then mm-hmm. it would bounce around like, oh, today, oh, three years ago, today, two mm-hmm. years ago, today, five years ago, depending mm-hmm. on what triggers what senses. Yeah. And a lot of Kurt Vonnegut's books are all over the place. And I have always loved that. I feel like I'm a little all over the place, too. I love reading his stuff because it's like how my mind works is what Kurt Vonnegut writes. So it's very, very useful for me. And how accurate is this to the actual book of the uh, Slaughterhouse? It did pretty good from what I remember. It has been a lot longer since I've read the the actual book book than since I've read this graphic novel. Um, but I definitely remembered everything they mentioned. <laughs> I think... They may have left out a couple things that it didn't really add to the story, but I just remember when I was, I was pretty young when I first read it too. And so they stood out more because I was like, I've never read anything like this before. <laughs> What's this pony doing? Anyone who's actually read it will know what I'm talking about. Cause it was, it was, it was not I good. think, I think it was big in the book, but you know how like, again, perspective, like what stands out to me, someone else might just gloss over and be like, no, that wasn't important. I don't care. Like, yeah. All right, uh, I'll go next with the, uh, the with the book by George Takei. Oh, my. Uh, that is They Called Us Enemy. It is yet another downer book that we're talking about here. <laughs> that, that's the theme of the night, folks. It's not based off reality. It's that reality is kind of a, a depressor. Um, but this one is about George Takei ra- getting, uh, being raised in an internment camp in the United States. One thing that is overlooked in a lot of history books of like, Oh, World War II, you know, yeah, we're fighting, you know, in the German theater, in the Pacific theater, or I should say the European theater versus the Pacific theater. And like, oh, all that. But this is like, well, yes, that was going on. But also stateside, uh, the United States did some pretty bad stuff, too, to their own citizens, uh, specifically the Asian citizens of the United States. Because they, I believe they made a comment here. It's like, it's not just Japanese descent. It's Japanese, Chinese. If you're Asian, you are held captive because your family eventually gets tied back all together. So we don't trust you. So even though you're legal U.S. citizens, we're locking you up without, you know, any trials or anything. You're mm-hmm. you're stuck in this camp. You have, to, you have to live there. And that kind of sucks. Like, it's the... We yes, we know about the concentration camps in Germany and stuff that the Nazis did, but our American history glosses over this quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So I remember when I was reading this, it's like, oh, I knew I knew it had happened and I knew it was bad. And a lot of this is through Takei's childhood memory too. So it's him as a kid understanding the world, but not necessarily grand, you know, big picture of how everyone else interprets it. But it is cool that he does go back and he talks to his mom like, oh, you know, my mom and dad, like, why didn't you do anything? And like, we couldn't, like, if we fought yeah. at all, it's for our own safety, you know, and for your, like, we have to take care of you. We don't get separated or worse. So the best thing we can do is keep our head down, just take our lumps as we got them and just survive. I think that that speaks to their heritage, too. Like, in Japanese society, you do follow authority and your elders and do what you're told a lot more than most Americans do. Yeah. And it's just, it, I do, it does have the time of jump around like uh, the Kurt Vonnegut did of like, Oh, more present time, more past time. And like the different timelines that fit the story really well of like, Oh, I never did forgive my parents about this until this day. Then jumps to the day where they actually sat down at a diner and, and talked about like, you didn't fight for our own house. You didn't fight for us to do whatever. And yeah, it was just, it was really cool to see. And like, it's George Takei. Admittedly, it got my attention with just that part alone of, mm-hmm. of him being a celebrity, but that's him using his celebrity for a good use to promote like, Hey, you know, make sure you know about this. So it doesn't happen again. 
And this is part of our history. Not all of our history is great. Sometimes there is bad stuff that we needed to talk about. And that was one of it. So, yeah, that is They Called Us Enemy. Uh, Jared, what's next on your list? Okay, uh, next one on my list was Alice in Sunderland. And I chose this one because my last name Sunderland. So I thought it was fitting. It was an easy pick for you at yes, that point. Yes, exactly. But uh, this is the story about um, Lewis Carroll and his... Uh, can't say it was much to do with the actual story, but uh, him writing Alice in Wonderland, okay. Wonderland, and Wonderland, Sunderland. Yes, yes exactly. But uh, it, I can't say I would recommend it. <laughs> it jumps around so much, and it's it seemed like a lot of the book was almost fictitious in the aspect of when they were talking about um, the Sunderland Empire. It was basically a theater group, the Empire Theater Group, and they they were like promoting it, and it was like a almost like an infomercial style story about the town and about the theater. Here's you know we've got these stories. Here's we've got these celebrities that go to this theater and uh, act and you know sing and dance and all that stuff. Uh, but it jumps around between Lewis Carroll and the city and just the area of England. It's a uh, effects and effects the effects to and from like New York or you know different different uh, just general areas of the world it jumped around so much it was really hard to follow but uh, yeah I can't really say I'd recommend it it, it wasn't for you but I mean yeah who knows, some like, people <clears throat> may love man, this Lord may enjoy it because it does yes. jump around that's how like the <laughs> right. Kervonga stuff is right it's it's all over the place, and they touch a lot of subjects. Like, it was a thick book. There's like 350 pages or 320 pages or something like that. So it's a pretty thick book and everything. Um, the art was all over the place, but it, I can't say it was bad. Um, it had a good mixture of black and white and color. You know, they did a really good job with that. There's a lot of good things in this book, but it just wasn't one for me, I would say. Okay. So... So Sunderland's like a location? Like yeah, the, there is the a theater? town in okay. England called Sunderland, England. I couldn't tell you much about it, to be perfectly honest, even though it's... You know, <laughs> it's where you're from or I, your namesake potentially, is. Potentially. <laughs> or... I don't know, but... Uh, yeah, know. I was curious. Like, I didn't realize it was anything to do with Lewis Carroll, like you were saying, Allison. Like, I wasn't sure if it was just referring to that. But now I am more curious now that... We, from your review. We may have to check yeah. it out. I mean, it wasn't bad, you know. It's just, I, you, I can't recommend it myself. You weren't super excited for it. Yeah. I you were excited I thought it, for it. Yeah, I was excited afterwards. for the name, you know. But other than that, it. The content didn't win, yeah. win you over as much. But I mean, right. I know it's on several lists of like some of the best oh, yeah. reality, you know, real life based books. So there is an audience for it. Oh, just, there definitely is. And I can see the value in this and I can appreciate it for what it is. It's just not something I cared for myself. And, I mean, and that's, that's okay. I mean, yeah. you're allowed to say, mm, not for me. However, this is what it's, you know, right. you may like it for X, Y, and Z. Right. And I've never, you know, I've seen the movies of Alice in Wonderland and everything like that, but I've never read the book. So I don't mm. know, like the movies can get a little trippy and this story was, could get a little trippy like that at times. Cause you're like, wait, where's this going? You know? Right. But uh, so I don't know, like, if it's like mirrored of the book, like, if it's yeah. just so weird like it or, you know, maybe this was meant to be that type of storytelling. I don't know. But uh, I can appreciate it for what it was. I did enjoy reading through through it and everything, but I, it just wasn't for me. Fair enough. Uh, Laura, any other comments on his book? Or you look like you're getting ready to say something, but... Um, I was just going to say I had read the book and it they, there is a lot lost. Like they obviously cut things down. And that's to in make the Alice movies. in Wonderland. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. The When he said he hadn't read the book of Alice in Wonderland that Lewis Carroll wrote or like Through the Looking Glass, like both of those were inspirations for the like Disney movies and the, I don't know, so, well, I guess somewhat for the Johnny Depp movie, obviously, because it's in the name. Um but yeah, they, they were really trippy and there were things that were cut out that made it even trippier. And so mm. maybe I, I, I am going to have to read that now to compare it <laughs> yeah. to what I remember yeah, from you, the book. You may really enjoy it. <laughs> All right. Yep. This is one thing I love about our reviews. Like just because you review it and you didn't 
like it yourself, someone else might be like, oh. Yeah. From what you're saying, maybe I will. Yeah. You're willing to try it out at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, speaking of you, though, what's the what other thing on your list? Um, You actually suggested, and I appreciated it, Amazing Spider-Man number 36 was the issue. Oh, I should know what year this was from. Like Shortly so it, after 9-11. It was like 2002, I want to say, when it came out. It says December 2001 for the copyright, so it probably did come out in 2002. So, yeah, it was probably like January. printed like in, in 2001, end of 2001, and then released early 2002. Yeah, it was the comment on the fall of the Twin Towers in New York City. It's the all-black cover in mm-hmm. case you're like, what does that cover look like? How do, that, mm-hmm. how do you have a cover for the, the Twin Towers collapsing in New York City? Yeah, that's like when we were discussing it this morning, I was like, oh, that's the one where they don't say anything. And then I actually dug it out. I was really impressed how fast I found it, too. I was like, bam, it wants to be found. Good job for your organization skills. Yeah. Um, But I think just because it's the black cover, I immediately thought there's nothing in it. Like there's there's no nothing you can say. And that is the first page does say, what do you say about this? Like, how do you address such a big, epic loss of life and all that. Um, But it actually is very full of dialogue and talks a lot about different things and tries to address that you don't, you don't blame specific people, but ideals get in the way of what people think is right and wrong. And like you. People's interpretations of things can distort their worldview and then make other bad things happen. Yeah. Actions have consequences. Yeah. And it, it is a very good story even though it's so sad, like, although I guess, like, I, I guess you can distance yourself from it pretty easily, too, because it's so, so big. Like, it's not, it doesn't follow one specific person other than Spider-Man. And even um, then, it doesn't follow but, just him. I mean, it's, yeah. it is 9-11 from the perspective of Spider-Man. It, show, yeah. it still shows, like, how everything else happens. And I, I don't know, I really enjoyed it because it's, like, in a world of superheroes, bad stuff still happens that they can't stop. Yeah, and people are are asking Spider-Man along the way, why didn't you stop this? How come no one saw this coming? Why didn't we have warning? And he's like, I don't know. I don't have answers for you. I'm doing everything I can right now. And yeah, it portrays really well the mad rush of, like, everybody's working side by side, firefighters, FEMA, every, like, People without superpowers are there while, like, Thor holds up a building and, like, Captain America walks by. And Spider-Man even makes a comment, too, that he thought Captain America was going through this again. Like, he'd already been through wars. Like, he's been traumatized enough. And Spider-Man was like, I can't imagine seeing this twice in a lifetime. Like, once is enough. And it was, it's very stirring like it makes you remember I don't, I don't know if it's appropriate to ask you guys like do you remember exactly where you were that day because most people yes do say uh yes but i didn't find out about it until around like two o'clock in the afternoon that day because mm-hmm. i was in junior high at the time and they didn't tell us until like my last class of the day i was like what how did you not tell us this like yeah. we're like let's see how did either seventh or eighth grade at the time that i was in uh, sorry, everybody else that's older than me who's listening to this. Oh, <laughs> me too. I was like, I think I was either a freshman or a sophomore. I almost think I had to have been a sophomore because I remember the the best. Well, sorry, that's a terrible qualifier. But the the thing I remember most, I should say, is I actually worked my part time job that night, and I was at a public library. And so when I called people to tell them, hey, you're, something you reserved came in and you can pick it up whenever because like, business as usual for small town Tiffin. And there were a couple people when I called them, they're like, you're in the building? You're in a public government building right now? Do you not know what happened today? And I'm like, I'm just doing my job. Please come get your stuff. I'm sorry. I still have so, responsibilities. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I guess I could have called in sick, but I wasn't. Sick. I, I do think I may have called the library and double checked they were still open. Are we still yeah. open? Because something yeah. just went down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now I live in Lima. It's like, this is a much more dangerous place. Like, Tiffin's way outside your blast radius. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jared? Do you I remember? Was in school, we were finishing up first period, and 
going into second period is when we kind of all found out in our next class it was just like the tv was on and that was that was it for the rest of the day we did go from class to class but every tv was glued yeah. to that all day so you probably did watch the towers collapse on live television yeah. then yeah i didn't watch until the recaps that until i got home from school planes hit and stuff because just by the time we found out and to end the second period and everything like that right um whoops, sorry um yeah, that we got we watched him fall and everything, and it was just like, you know, I was my brother was a senior, I think, or me, he may have been a junior. I can't remember if I was a freshman or sophomore, to be perfectly honest. But uh, I can tell you about the rest of the day, you yeah. know. But I can't <laughs> tell you exactly how old I was. But uh, we were worried because we're like, okay, we're going to war. My brothers, is oh. are they going to implement the draft? Is right. he going to go? Are, am I going to have to go because I'm two years away? You know from turning 18 or whatever so it was uh the day before my birthday so but i will say that there was some cool things for my birthday the next day because all you saw on every road was nothing but red white and blue support you know right. so it was actually pretty cool on my birthday to look down the street and see and to see everything like that yeah so so yeah, I remember my oldest brother was had he graduated in two thousand or ninety eight, so he was at home. He just and I was like, I came home, watched, saw he's watching on the TV. I was like, so I heard about that. He's like, yeah, and we didn't say much. But I was like, all right, well, I'm going to my room to play video games. Yeah, because <laughs> at that point, I was like, I know I'm not going to be able to change the channel. I want to watch cartoons and stuff. Like, I want to yeah. watch TV, but like, it's not going to be on anything. So I'll just I walked by and I remember the feeling like it feels like I'm watching a movie. Like, yeah. it just felt like a disaster movie. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Yep. It was the worst kind of disaster movie. The yep. real kind, life kind. And later that night, it was very surreal because you could look up. Like, you could go outside, look up right now. You could see, like, the little blinking lights of planes and stuff. There was nothing no, in the Everything sky. was grounded. There was nothing. It was just, everything was just, just so quiet. And it was eerie. Yeah. So it was a scary time. It really was. Yeah. You didn't know what to expect. And to circle it back. This book does do a really good job of, like you said, of what, how, what do we do? What's going on? And like, all right, just do whatever you can yeah. right here and right now. Yeah. Worry about the big picture stuff later. Like, just focus on solving this emergency right now. Right. Yep. Get to safety. Get out of, like, the danger zone. If you can help someone, do. If yeah. not, then protect yourself. Yeah. yeah. They were showing carrying um, people in wheelchairs because they couldn't roll over the rumble, r rubble. So they were care lifting them. To get them hopped along. And yeah, it's a very good book if you can get a hold of it. I forgot to look and see if it's on Mar Marvel Unlimited or different. I would imagine a lot of streaming services probably still have it. Oh, I bet so. I would, I would guess, yeah. yeah. But uh, last one on my li list I want to go over because that's uh, not a downer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <We laughs> After this, yeah, yeah that was a good time. one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the last one I mentioned is The New Day, Power of Positivity. This is a WWE comic uh, that follows the origin story, the fictionalized origin story of the tag team, The New Day. And it's fun. It's ridiculous. Um, it's definitely like inside wrestling. So the word we use is kayfabe. It's very kayfabe of their origin. Like, oh, well, you're like, oh, we're going to form this team because we're not really doing anything. And we'll be like a D&D &D party where all right, you're the barbarian, you're the wizard, I'm the bard. We can work this out. Like, it was, it's ridiculous. It's over the top. Um, Laura asks, like, is it the one? Why does it have a bunch of Cheerios on the cover? I'm like, no, no, those aren't Cheerios. Those are bootios because they make sure you aren't booty. And if you know that reference, then you know. If you don't, then what I just said meant nothing to you. <laughs> nothing. Uh, but it also has a bunch of flapjacks. And then then using the unicorn symbol on their forehead, that is all very much to their characters and, and their team faction and everything. It's over the top. It's ridiculous. But it's fun. Mm -hmm. um, and it's only two issues, too, which is, which is nice. Like, those two issues and done. And they're oversized issues. They're pretty decent size. And it's just, it's cool to see uh, a real life base. Like there are definitely, because I listen to their podcast and they're like, oh yeah, there was, we took some inspiration from the real life and then we mix it into the story for kayfabe and here we go. And the art, I mean, it looks pretty accurate to them. I mean, it's like cartoon, cartoon versions of them, of the, of the wrestlers and everything. So it's really cool. It was fun. It's a, it's a fun light read, 
but that is definitely very much one if you are a fan of professional wrestling, specifically of the New Day and of WWE wrestling. But I do have a list of other things I want to mention real quick that are on my list here. Uh, 300 by Frank Miller. That was inspired by the Spartans. And, okay. Um, oh, who did they fight? What, what? Oh, I know. I can picture in my head. But, Same here. But uh, they were coming across and they had to, they held. Persians. Persians. Thank you. And when they held them into a canyon, like, all right, bottleneck. And the 300 held the line for a long time. They didn't hold it completely because eventually they did fall. They all right. did all die. But uh, the inspiration of them. And we saw two or three. I knew there was I at least two. two. I wasn't sure. Okay. I wasn't sure if there was three. I, I knew there was for sure two. I don't think they made a third one. Um, so, yeah. And written by Frank Miller. That's his. He's a famous guy that they're known for for doing stuff. So, <laughs> uh uh, a couple other ones I want to mention that are Beetle related is the fifth Beetle, which Laura is not a huge fan of. That is mm. the Jeffrey Epstein story. Um, yeah, it was kind of, it was more than you wanted to know kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to look behind the curtain sometimes. sometimes. And it showed a little bit of that. Uh, of the story of the Beatles, you know, getting discovered by Jeffrey Epstein. Epstein, I don't, I forget which the... Yeah. Yeah, I think they usually issues. say Epstein. Okay. But, uh, and yeah, the, the founding no, the Beatles. No, it's not Jeffrey, though. Or no, not Jeffrey. Brian. Uh, Brian, thank That's you. That's yes. why I was like, this isn't right. Epstein was the one that didn't kill himself, but did kill himself. And yeah, that whole stuff. Yeah, I was like, let's not mix yeah. that in this. That's Please no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's that one. And then the other one is Paul is dead, which is a conspiracy theory that Paul McCartney died what, 40, 50 years ago? And was oh, quite... more than that now. Oh, uh, yeah. It was in the 60s. Yeah. They were saying he died in a car accident and they got a lookalike. And... They replaced mm-hmm. him. Yeah. That's why, like, oh, if you look at Paul now versus Paul Young, like, when he's younger, oh, his face doesn't line up. Something happened. It's not the real him. Uh, it's a conspiracy theory. So that's why it's based off of reality from, mm-hmm. depending on what point of view you take on that argument. Uh, but it's a fun one. It's a cool... I treat it as a what if, like, oh, that's a fun, like, yeah. oh, mm-hmm. this could be plausible if you ignore other things. So. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it was also, I want to say it was closer to Abbey Road because they, part of the theory was the way they did the cover for that. They were saying that there were a bunch of references, Paul having his feet bare and some flower in his lapel. And like, there were other things that were like, an indication of death, like something. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of, it's along the same lines of, oh, if you play it backwards, you hear hail yeah. Satan and stuff like that. And no, I think it does say Paul is dead backwards. I forget which, which record that is. Too. Oh, I'm saying, but it's, uh, it's yeah. along those conspiracies of, <laughs> oh, it, this lines up with that. It reminds me of the always sunny in Philadelphia where there's like the, the he's looking crazy. He has like the strings attached to everything. It reminds me of that mm. meme of like, oh, it's just super crazy of this and that and this and that. And it's obvious. I always thought that was from Pacific Rim, but I think it is the same guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> and the moon is hollow and it's full. It was made by aliens. And that's. Oh, I saw that movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so we both did. But we had a good <laughs> laugh out of that one. It was uh, fun. <laughs> and the last one on my list is uh, Mouse, which has been gained popularity the last couple weeks from the. Book banning in Tennessee, I think it was banned in. It was a school district in Tennessee, I want to say. Yeah, I don't remember where, but I read about it. Yeah. They can't handle reality. Uh, well, well they. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to get into the politics of it, but <laughs> yeah, it's the. It's a way of showing the horrors of the Holocaust to children via using cats and mice, where the cats are the Nazis and the mice are the Jewish people. So it, it, there's two volumes total. We had volume one then sold out immediately of that because of everything but yeah it's another one that's definitely reality based that i don't it's kind of like how you mentioned the sunderland book like i don't know if i can enjoy it like it definitely yeah. doesn't it's not gonna be a feel-good book i know that yeah. much but it is important it's a good like study piece to, yeah. uh, to learn off of so and if it's being a banned book it's worth reading yeah mm-hmm. uh if it you want to make people read books? You ban them mm-hmm. until they're not they're not allowed to read it. Then they'll read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was Slaughterhouse Five at first too. It was a banned book as well. Yep, because of the pony. Oh, well, there you go. And they used the MF word. Yeah, that that's that happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that is our list on books that are based in one way, shape, or form within reality. 
the short version of our list. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, <laughs> there are lots more. There are a lot more, but that's what we had on our list that we were comfortable enough to talk about for a little bit, at least. <laughs> uh, so with that, we'll move on to books that came out this week, uh, Wednesday, February 16th, 2022. Uh, Jared, well, let's look at time. Let's just do one book per person. So okay. Jared, what is your favorite pick of the week? Uh, Nightwing 89. This is the first part of a two-part crossover with uh, the new Superman, Son of Kal-El, uh, Jonathan Kent. I really liked it. It was so much fun. I can't wait to see what how they're going to end it. Um, it. Like I said, it's two-parter. It's very good. It uh, kind of begins with uh, Jonathan as a child gets lost, and Superman's off-planet. So Batman and Nightwing go search for him. And it was just very good. Uh, the dynamic between Bruce and Dick Grayson and how they're just like the way they're dealing with the child differently, you know, and it was great. And before you get too far into the story, why does this cross over to Superman? It's because they're both written by Tom Taylor. Tom Taylor. That's yes. why. I was like, I, I don't have an answer right away. But <laughs> it's because he's it's writing because both. because they want to. It's because he's writing both books and he can do that. Yep. Oh, I love but, it when they do a crossover well. Like, yeah. they both know what's going on. Oh, yeah. So, like, you haven't been reading Superman and Son of Kal-El. I caught the first couple issues, but I didn't put on my pull but list. For the most part, you haven't my been reading fault it. completely. I, I wish I would have put it on my pull list. With having read very little, let's say little to no, none of that, how well does that fit in if you're reading just Nightwing? Fine. It's very easy. They reference some stuff that happened in the Son of Kal-El book, but you, I don't need to read it. They they fill in the blanks enough to where I'm I'm fine with it. There's enough know? context clues yeah. of and why uh, John, happening. why John is Superman, yeah, and everything like that. Yep, and it shows a bit of trust between Superman and Nightwing because Superman sends that as it, that's kind of in the past, and they come to the present, right, and. He, there's like a one of Superman's uh, Fortress of Solitude robots coming to find Nightwing and say, "Hey, can you help?" You know. I had my favorite line for the day there. of, "Hey, you accidentally dropped this towards me." Yes, <laughs> oh, I love that. That was great. You dropped this fast in my direction. <laughs> he threw it at you, but yeah. he was definitely like, "Hey, I, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt that I snuck in here." I'm not going to say you threw it at me and tried to hit me, but you totally did. Yeah, but it uh, still ties in with uh, Dick Grayson's plan to kind of rebuild uh, uh, Bloodhaven. Bloodhaven, thank you, uh, by using the Alfred Foundation and everything, or the Pennyworth Foundation and everything like that. So it ties in very well with everything that's going on. Um, and this team up, I think it's going to be really fun. I can't wait to see what they do next. And quite honestly, I could see this teaming up more. Uh, and one big thing I noticed in this issue that I, I haven't been on the internet to see if they're making a big fuss about it, but Barbara Gordon, she's staying the night. She is yep. not just like chilling out. Like nope. they are sleeping in the same bed together. Yep. That's kind of huge for their relationship. And Dick Grayson has pajama pants on and they're Batman pajama pants. I thought I saw that when you were yeah. flipping through yeah. the pages. Batman I'm like, pajama. that's just great. <laughs> and you see her shirt. Yeah. Teen Titans, Teen Titans Go. Go. Specifically Teen Titans Go, not just Teen Titans. Like, that's just fun. Little. Yeah. But I just thought, I was like, oh, they're really moving yeah, they're, that story forward. I yeah. know they've, they've hinted at it, and they they were flirting yep. with it for the last few issues. Well, for the last few decades, they've been flirting with them with right. it together. Right. But it looks like they're actually full-on in a relationship now, which yep. is good for them. Yeah. It's the relationship that pretty much everyone that reads both Barbara Gordon and yeah. Nightwing. Like, it fits Nightwing perfectly. fan, I, I'm a bar. I like the Barbara Gordon relationship rather than Starfire. It and kind I'm of, a Teen Titans fan. It kind of reminds me of the Archie. Are you Betty or Veronica? Right. It's, are yep. you Barbara or Starfire? Right. And they do have a dog together, so yeah. they already have a little family. Yeah. Good old Bitewing. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I read it. That was one of the first things I read this week. I was like, this is... I, I want to start the, my reading off on a good note, so I start with that. When it's, whenever there's a Tom Taylor book, all right, I'm starting with that one. And I, there's, a lot of times there's some kind of pun or funny piece of artwork that's thrown in there. They're just like, what the heck? He, yeah, they have fun it's with so, it. They do. You can tell he's having a blast with this. And the artist, too. I mean, I've, I oh, yeah. think the artist was it's, on um, Redondo. Okay. I'm not sure what his first name is. But you can definitely but tell. It's, it's that, good. Well, and it's a good collaboration between, like, they get each other's style because yeah. it works really well. And the two different stories of, you know, going from Nightwing to Son of Kal-El back and forth, like, 
it still works tonally and the art works well together too. I know that was one big thing with the Hawkeye series that we had a problem with like, oh, and they had the different artists and just yeah. felt mm. jarring. This felt natural and it did. blurred well together. Yeah. Yep. Bruno Redondo. There you go. That's the artist. Uh, Laura, what is your pick of the week? Um, by default, because I really only read two books and you're making me pick one. Um, I read Until My Knuckles Bleed by Victor Santos, and it follows Gabin Hart, the damager, who's a former super soldier, and he's kind of just, after you retire-ish from being a super soldier, what do you do? Like, he ends up being a bouncer at a strip club, and but he's really nice to the, the women and kind of helps them out outside of the club and things like that, and it sounds like... There are a lot of immigrants, too. Like, there were some Russian influences. And so, actually, it did make the dialogue rough. At first, I thought it was just the the, the trope. like His Russian you, accent coming yeah, through. And... Yeah, trying to portray that. But then I noticed a lot of the English wasn't so great. And I don't, I don't know if Gavin, the main character, is supposed to be an immigrant as well. And maybe that's why... The dialogue was rough, but the dialogue is just rough. It's an odd choice. Yeah. Some of the words, I'm like, did they miss it? Are they intending to write it kind of not how you would normally speak? Like, sometimes I know I do that. Like, I I throw out odd words because I want to keep people off balance. Like, I don't like to just say the same things because I would be a robot. I would just say the same phrases all the time. You just but, you just described 90% of my job of saying the yeah. same thing repeatedly. <laughs> yep. I remember customer service. I know how this is. You get bored. But the the other side of this story though, um I did really enjoy the art. I thought it was great. Uh, it I was thinking of this when Jared mentioned Alice in Sunderland, how they use the black and white and the color in different ways. In this particular book, they're using the black and white to basically, anytime they talked about his past as a superhero and kind of any influences of his superhero life that were affecting his current life, they're all black and white shots. So you could really see visually the difference right away, what he was talking about and references to that. And then what was going on currently was colored and they were it's not a lot of detail, I wouldn't say, but there, it was very contrast and, like, prominent. Like, you, you knew what was happening. You knew what was going on. Like, I, I liked the art in this. And I got the impression a little bit. I only saw one name. So I think Victor Santos wrote and drew this book. I'm not 100%, but I'm willing to give him the credit for now until I hear otherwise. All right. Uh, last one, my my pick of the week is also Nightwing, but since I since I'm picking a different book, just because that was not just just the same, uh, is Iron Fist number one, uh, by Alyssa Wong and Michael. I don't know how to pronounce Yig. It's YG is the spelling for the last name. Hmm. I, I I don't know. I don't know, but that's I don't want to butcher it completely wrong. So. But this is a new, new number one where they introduce a brand new Iron Fist character. Um, Danny Rand has lost the heart of uh, the dragon. I forget which what the name of it is. Um, but this new character has it now and is the new official guardian of Kunlun and is the new Iron Fist. And Danny's like, hey, uh, I need to make sure that you're good because I don't have the power, but you do. And I it's the whole not ready, not ready to pass the baton yet for the passing of the guard. So he's checking out like, who are you? What's going on? Um, I'm not going to give the reveal of who the new Iron Fist is because you may be interested and want to figure out on your own by reading it. But I will say it is not completely a brand new character. It is a character that that has existed in the past. Um, so it's kind of so I think that's because that's partly to limit the amount of scalpers that are going, oh, it's a brand new character. You have to buy it just because. And like, eh, but it's not a first ever appearance appearance. It's a first appearance as this sort of thing. Kind of like when Carol Danvers w took over as Captain Marvel. It's like, oh, it's important, but not the scalper level, like yeah. first ever appearance ever. So, uh, but like I said, it was a good issue. It was a fun, uh, not a whole lot happens because it is them meeting and fighting with each other. Like, hey, testing each other's strength. Like, how good are you at this? And 
has the classic Iron Fist trope where whatever martial arts stance he uses, it says like, oh, it's the claw of whatever, the strike of whatever, too. Very similar to what Doctor Strange does, his magic spell, magic spells. It's like, oh, that's that's what they're doing. It's not just a random pose like this. There's reason behind it. So but it's cool. It's a new number one. If you're interested in Iron Fist based off of more than likely the Netflix series, because they're. That's the only thing that's been out that's been popular for him. Uh, you may want to check, it, check out this book. It also makes me wonder, are they bringing back Iron Fist in the MCU? I, I, it's possible. I, they're not on Netflix. Because they're, they're pulling the Netflix stuff. Yeah. So. Is that March they're doing that? I think so. Okay. I don't know if they're pulling it just to put it on Disney Plus then and bringing in continuity. I don't know. I'm not going to speculate, but... It's always whenever Marvel does something new, like a number one or something, there's usually a reason behind it. Cross promotions, right? Money. Well, uh, so. it's always. I mean, yeah, it's always about money. <laughs> Either, but it could be something, something as big as like tie into a movie or the MCU, or it could just be just so they can keep the licensing rights so it doesn't go into public domain or anything. Yep. But so, if you want to see the Netflix series one more time before they get pulled from Netflix, from Netflix, hurry, you know, hurry. Yeah. We don't know what Disney's going to do. Right. Because I think that it actually is getting reverted back to Disney proper, but I don't know for sure. Yeah. So, but yeah. Uh, with that, we'll move on to our book club book of the week, uh, which is March book one by former congressman, I want to say. John Lewis. So. Yeah, it's by John Lewis. I think, I'm pretty sure he's a former congressman. I think so. Um before we go too into yeah. that, if you're like, hey, I'm tuning out because I don't want to get spoilers, I will let you know next week's book was already decided. Um, it is, Jared, do you have the picture of it? Because I don't see it on my list here in front of me. Because, yeah, because I'm prepared and I know I... Uh, Vampire State Building. Vampire State Building, yes. Oh, I've never uh, even heard Die of Hard that. with Vampires. That's the impression that I get. Um, <laughs> because we, I flipped through when we first got it. I was like, this looks interesting. I no. like Die Hard. It's... It's the Empire State Building taken over by vampires. Yeah, and I will preface this is I'm not a big vampire story lover. I got enjoyed like the Underworld movies, but that, that's fair because most vampire stories suck. Uh-huh. But, but Vane, Vane really got Vane your was awesome. Attention. I will say Vane was awesome, but the the way you sold that to me, he's like Alex was like, "Hey, check this out. It's vampires versus Nazis in World War Two. Yeah. I'll check that out. That and, sounds interesting, and, and I enjoyed it. And next week's book, it looks like Die Hard meets Vampires, so yeah. why not? Right. In theory, it should be cool. So, so that maybe, is... maybe I'm getting into vampires now. I don't know. <laughs> so, that, so that, again, the name of the book? Vampire State Building. So that way, for the listeners, if you want to know what to read in advance, that's your homework for the week. <laughs> uh, moving on. March, book one. I... Uh, it's only part of a story. It's only... Yes, it definitely cliffhangers you want to read the second one. Yeah, because the whole premise is like, oh, it was the the, the march on Bloody Sunday back in 60-something. I don't remember. I know, that, I know they said it in there. Um, I don't know why I didn't write that down. Uh, yeah, it, it just... Because it just starts with the them. early 60s. Right. It was the whole... It was the civil rights movement of like, all right, uh, we need to, you know, be treated like human beings and treated equal and everything. Uh, I do like the fact that it's from the perspective of the now time is Inauguration Day 2009, inauguration of Obama. And like it's him telling his constituents that are visiting the White House, visiting him like, oh, this is my story. Like that's a cool way that jumps back and forth between now and then like it definitely gives the feeling of, oh, I'm sitting in the room and I'm watching him talk to these people about his life story and everything. Right. It's it's a cool persp- cool persp- cool perspective. Yeah. Words are hard. And I liked the um, the lady that brings her children into like the offices because she just wanted to show him his office or mm-hmm. show the kids his office to show where kind of they came from and everything. You know, not expecting people. to actually meet him. And he was there and she's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry for interrupting," you know, and he's like, "Nope." What can I do for you? You know, right. very yeah. just willing to tell a story and everything like that. Uh, I love how it went from him telling his life story. Like I would have never known he was raised on a farm and mm-hmm. raised the chickens. He, that was like his job on the farm. You know, I thought that was great how they they talked about everything with his life. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, 
and for I know Laura, you and I talked before that like you're like just stop talking about the chickens already. Not necessarily stop, but like I oh, that, since I didn't for some reason book one didn't point out big enough on the front of this thing for me. So I was really waiting for the march across the bridge, and I was. I was getting to the end of the book, and I was like, all he's talked about is chickens. Like, he, he hasn't gotten to this <laughs> yeah, yet. He does talk about now, chickens a lot in this. And I now mean, I realize there lot. are not a two lot, more books. There are three total books to get this story told. So that makes more sense now that why well, he didn't march across the bridge yet. Well, and I think it's kind of misleading because it's titled March, but it's really about the whole – his whole experience in the civil rights movement yes. too. It's not just, okay, how do we get to the bridge? Like, no, it's to that and then some like – you know, desegregation of everything and voting rights. And like, it's more than who knew a, some, a story, a life story is more than about one thing. Like, right. Yeah. And his, his meeting Martin Luther King Jr. And him wanting to go to college. And they're just like, okay, we'll pay for this and we'll sue the school. So they do have uh, desegregation and everything, but you've got to understand your parents are going to be targeted. You're could, putting your family yes. in danger, your neighbors in danger. Right. And he decided yeah. to not, pursue right. that route because of that well he was a minor too and he's like your parents have to okay this pretty much right. and his parents didn't and that was too much of a risk but know? i mean ultimately it still worked out for him i yeah. mean he mm -hmm. still got a, a full education mm -hmm. and went on to be congressman all that stuff but it is interesting to see the uh tactics that they use for the sit-in like how organized they were like mm -hmm. all right we're going to warm up. We're not going to just do full on because all we think about, at least all I think about, I can say it, for that sit in area is like, oh, they sat in, they got beat up and whatever. Like, no, no, it had an escalation to it. Yes. It showed the training and everything that they did for that. Like they did incredibly smart. Like, no, we're not just doing coming off oh, half cocked. Right. We're, we're going to plan this and ramp into it. And we're test testing the waters, basically saying when you say, oh, well, why did you do this all of a sudden? No, no, there was no all of a sudden. That you can see the steps that were leading up to yeah. this. Yep. And it, for me, it reminds me a lot of current political protests and stuff like the amount of discipline we have now compared to this. Like the, right now, it feels like all the protests is a lot of like half cocked measures. Yeah. yeah. They don't even know what they're protesting. Right. Like the most recent one at the border in Canada, like it seemed very, at least uh, from what I've seen. Uh, it seems very half measured versus this. It was over the course of months where like, all right, we're, we're slowly protesting. You can see it right. the entire time. Yeah, and you can see the build like uh, they go in and sit and then they'd be told we they don't serve their their kind there and they'd get up and leave. Right. They didn't do the sit in there. They're testing the waters. They're making they're, themselves known that we exist. You know, they were getting conditioned to it also. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. And they were conditioning the owners of the uh establishments yeah like this is not going away this right. is something that is actually this is here to stay yeah and one thing that impressed me in that too when they were testing the waters the there was a question can can the white folks still make their order even though they're with our group and the manager was still like uh no i see where this is going i was glad as as horrible as it is to kick someone out of your business I was glad that the manager at least was like, no, the white folk have to leave too because they're with you. Like, that was kind of fair in the unfairness. Right. So. <laughs> and that it does show, like, it wasn't all just black people that were doing this. Like, no, there mm -hmm. were white allies yeah. that were like, no, we see this is wrong also. We will fight with you. Now, obviously, the, the focus isn't on them, as it should yeah. not be. It no. should not be a focus on, oh, no. well, this worked it, because white people were there. No, no, but it right. wasn't just black versus white. There was a lot of, I mean, there was a lot of infighting, even like how the NAACP didn't agree with mm. some of their tactics. Oh, yeah. And like, oh, you know, you should take the compromise. Like, no, we're, it's all or nothing is what they're yeah. basically settled on. Like, it's not, oh, half measure here, half measure there. Right. Like, at one point when they all got arrested, all right, uh, we're releasing, we're lowering bail from five, from $100 a person to only $5 a person. And they said, no, you don't get it. We're not paying anything because we did nothing wrong right yeah it can be hardly any any fee at all it doesn't mm -hmm. matter and like the the build too like if you were around i mean i i don't know for sure because I, I was around that but like if you were around that time you can't say that this came out of nowhere right mm -hmm. unless you were completely 
bullheaded, you know, head in the sand, oblivious to it all. Like mm-hmm. there was enough over the course of months of them, you know, sit in after sit in moving, you know, like you could see the and the way this is portrayed at least, the build up to everything. Yeah. Yeah, they had lots of dates, and so you could follow. This week we did this. This week we did this. We waited a little bit. They asked for a compromise. Like a, a lot of the owners of the businesses tried to get a hold of them to change the rules somehow and come to a, a peace, a compromise, but then they dragged their feet. And so the protesters were like, we're not going to wait forever. Like, we're giving you till this day, and then we're back at it. Yeah, because yep. the – the one business, like, I forget who it was, like, oh, if you, you know, if you do this, you know, if you leave for now, we promise we'll talk to you about this. All right, fine. That's all we ask. And they didn't contact they ne- them for the, till the end of the week and <laughs> the next day they were in. Like, all right, you gave us this. We're not going to just disappear because you, we are slightly inconvenienced to you. Like, we are going to actually cause change of this. And it's just, it's, it is, it is inspiring to see the dedication and training and the, the thoughtfulness that was put into this too. Yep. And I loved how they stood up to the mayor too, because the mayor's mm-hmm. just like, you know, I, he agrees with them. He doesn't want any discrimination or bigotry or anything, but they're, he's not going to force the managers of the businesses. If they don't want to serve you, he's not going to force them to, Cause, you know, but, and they stood their ground against him and his arguments too. Right. I, I thought they did. I thought it was a great job. Which part of it, like, he's like, this is the law. Like I did what I can, I can't legally force them to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was catering a bit to the voters. Yeah. And one thing I loved when in that particular scene, they showed the beads of sweat on his face. Yes. When the march came to his doorstep and he had to address them on like the, the steps of Congress or, oh, it was, it was like the city building, something like, like that. But town hall yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd like to see like actual photographs and stuff of that assembly if, if it exists. I've never really looked into it or anything, but the way the art is done it makes it look like that place was packed. Right. Like they mm-hmm. filled the streets. There were thousands and thousands. You know, it just seems so many. And I'm just like, man, that's impressive. And the biggest thing I take away from this is how frustrating it is to not have heard about this in history class at all. Yeah. Like uh, in high school mm-hmm. or college, like any sort of American history. Like I remember the civil rights movement being like, Three pages yeah, in our, in our history books talked like, about Martin Luther King, and, and that's and Rosa Parks, and that's about it. Like it was just two or three people that was it. Like no, how that we've never heard of John Lewis and what he did. Like right, why is that a thing? Uh, and that's from a perspective of a white guy. Like I'm, I'm upset that I haven't heard about it alone. If someone of color, like why don't we know about our history? Like we should know more right. than just one side. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, it kind of reminds me, like, it would not surprise me if this turns out to be like Mouse, where it gets a banned book because, oh, you're showing too much. Like, no, no, it's... Yeah, you're showing white guys too too mean or yeah. something, you know? I but, I, I hope that doesn't happen, but right. I can totally see that happening. Yeah. I mean... But I love stories like this where it doesn't paint everybody out to be the nice guy or the hero, you know, good guys and stuff like this. But it's his perspective. It's his life story. You know, what everything he went through. And it doesn't portray, like you said, it doesn't portray all white guys as bad guys also, no. too. It doesn't do yeah. that. It right. does. It a, shows allies, you know, with him and them working together. Yeah. And through several steps of mm-hmm. the college deans versus the presidents versus the mayors, like there are different layers to everything. Yeah. I mean, like you said, like I said earlier, like the NAACP, how they were against their movement at one point because they like, oh, you're not helping the cause. Like, well. We're not helping it the way you want to, but we're still helping. Like, yeah, right. But there was one uh, quote from uh, his parents towards the beginning um, that kind of, you know, I thought it was like I'd never really heard of anything like that. I'm trying to find it real quick. Um, it, it's uh, I might be paraphrasing a little bit, but it they were like, "Stay out of the way of white folks." Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and just the whole uh, beginning of his road trip that what informed him oh. the most was when he went to New York with his uncle yeah. and driving through the South to get, you know, out of the super segregated areas and everything. Like, mm-hmm. oh, my uncle lives with in a, an apartment complex where there's a white neighbor on both sides. Like, yeah. it's not just this is a black building. This is a white. Like, no, it's everybody living together. And mm-hmm. how I was like, oh, you know, driving through Georgia 
through Tennessee, through Kentucky, how he couldn't his uncle couldn't relax until he crossed the border into Ohio. Right. Before he started north of the Dixie line and then heading east to uh, New York. He's like, it wasn't until then we were able to relax where it's definitely not, it's not perfect by any stretch, but it was definitely, Oh, we're going to get murdered on the side of the road. Right. It was the, okay. Right. Cause they said, Oh, we have to make sure here's our list of safe, safe. gas stations, restaurants, right. wherever. How through several areas they packed lunches because they couldn't stop to eat anywhere because yep. it was not safe, and that's that's something that I never have to think about. Right, I never mean, would have thought about. Right, you know? but it totally makes sense right. at the time and the place and everything. Like that, that sucks, mm-hmm. and and it wasn't that long ago. No, I mean mm-hmm. it was the sixties. It yeah. was sixty years ago. That's not that long. I mean there were people that are still alive that lived through that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just. It just, and this is just the tip of the iceberg too. This is like yeah, I said, this, this is book one of three, um, and I do want to read the rest now because I, I, I want to see what's going on. I do too, uh, and we have all three. Yeah. Uh, one thing to note though, it is all black and white. Also, the, there is no color within the pages. It is all just black and white. It's not fully colored ink, and I I like it. It's, it yeah. feels like a more of a history lesson at that point to me. Like before yeah. color TVs, like. Oh, it it feels more important now, I guess. That's the way I see it, at least. Yeah, it fits. The art fits this story so well. It really does. And I don't want a full color version of it. Like, no. sure, the cover is, the covers, all three covers are full color. But, I don't know, it, just, it works really well being black and white still. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, any other last comments on the book before we wrap up tonight? I did forget that a lot of the inspiration for this movement was because a comic book was printed of MLK and the Montgomery story. And that was also based on true events that I should have looked up and talked about tonight, but I forgot. Eh, It's been a long couple days. Yeah. Uh, All right. So out of a five scale rating, one being bad, five being great, what would you rate it? Four I to give, a five. I give it five chickens. Five chickens out of yeah. five? I'd go with that. For me, I, I'm i going to give it only a four, uh, mostly because it's not the full story. Yes. Because oh. I it it's a third of the story. Yeah. I want to read the other two. Right. When I got to the end, I'm just like, okay, I, I don't have the next volume. I guess I'm done reading it. Because the ending is very much like- Right. But I don't know if you could fit the- I mean, you'd, you'd have to have an omnibus size, right. you know, but- yeah, and that's fine. I'm just saying, like, right. as by itself, I know one of our customers, they have a book club that they bought several copies of book one. I'm thinking, like, after reading this, man, you're going to want two yeah. and three real soon because yeah. after you read this, like, the ending isn't even like a cliffhanger. It just, no, it just, it just fizzles. Yeah. Like, and there it is, the, the end of for now, like, is not satisfying. No. But it shouldn't be because it's not the end. Right. So, yeah. That is March. Um, I'm glad I read it. I, I am too. I, I I enjoyed it. I want to read volume two and three because I want to see the rest of the story. It just it's finding time is the difficult part. Yeah. <laughs> also, I proposed this for the Alter Ego book club in March because we didn't want to be cliche and do it for Black History Month. And I was like, March is in the name. Let's do it in March. <laughs> well, I different kind of cliche. If we picked an actual date yet, but it'll be a Saturday in March. We're reading March for that, too. If anyone wants to get involved in that, order go. March 1, 2, and 3, I'd recommend. Although we'll probably focus on the first one because it's a lot of reading. Yeah. All right. So now we'll move on to the part that Jared always forgets about. You even reminded me just a little while ago. I, I told you. <laughs> and that is our Hero of the Week comic book or otherwise I already have mine written down, so I'll go first since I'm ready. And Laura might be able to go next to buy a little more time. Dang, I could have stolen yours real quick because <laughs> it was on the Google document. Yep. <laughs> uh, my heroes of the week are going to be Andy Samberg and John Mulaney. Uh, Wait, you're com- picking two. Yeah, I, here, I said heroes of the week. Maybe you should pick one and Jared should take the other. Uh, he could, but I'm going to pick both. Uh, <laughs> mostly because they are the new Chip and new Dale, the new Rescue Rangers that's coming coming out. Uh, I think in March, I think it's going to be coming up fairly soon on Disney Plus original movie where it is a new tale of the Chippendale Rescue Rangers. I love the show growing up as a kid and it looks like a 
basically a new version of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. They even have Roger Rabbit in it. So it's oh, a, awesome. It's a combination of animated characters and live action actors and stuff. And it's very self-aware. I need to make you watch the trailer later, Laura. Yeah. Because it looks fun. I'm excited. I'm cautiously optimistic about it because it, <laughs> it looks like it should be really fun. I like how from excited to cautiously optimistic. Yes. I'm excited Correct. either way. But I'm cautiously optimistic because, I mean, John Mulaney and Andy Samberg, I usually like their stuff that they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, okay, guys, this is my childhood. Do do good. I, I have faith in you guys, but it'll, it'll be a stretch. It's, I, I don't know. It looks cool. It looks fun. If you guys have not checked out the trailer, check it out. If you watched the show as a kid, you'll enjoy it as well. Hopefully. Uh, you'll enjoy the trailer at least. I know that much because I enjoyed the trailer. Uh, Laura, what is, or what, or who are your Heroes of the Week comic book related or otherwise? I decided to just pick one instead of being greedy. And on a whim. Spider-Man. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> yes. I looked up who wrote the Amazing Spider-Man number 36, 9-11 story. And it was J. Michael Straczynski. And he's a pretty he's popular, a common Spider-Man writer. Yeah, he's done so. a whole lot. So I'm going to choose him as my hero because he did really well at finding words for an event that has no words. And he's done a lot of other things, too. He's found words in many instances that needed to be said. There we go. He's full of words. All right, Jared. We botched as much time as we could. Uh, I'm going to go with my brother because he's really done a lot to keep our dog healthy and everything. Um, He's been taking her to the vet and doing all that hard work with our dog. So I'm going to go with my brother for, for really stepping up on that stuff because by the time I get off work, I'm, if I want to take the dog to the vet, I'm going to have to take a day off work. And for the listeners, what is the dog's name? Shandy. It's a golden retriever, and she's a good girl. There you go. You and know, we should post the picture of her catching the Frisbee on the Alter Ego uh, yes. site, too. We'll see what we can do. Uh, until then, until next time, though, we'll say thanks for listening, folks. Reminder, one last time, next week's book... Vampire State Building. There you go. Uh, for our podcast episode. Uh, be sure to share, uh, rate, review if your podcast service that you're listening to this has that. Um, but yeah, we'll be back next week. Laura, it looks like you want to say something. Yeah, I feel like we should also throw in, don't forget to get your pets spayed or neutered. Yeah. <laughs> courtesy but, of Bob Barker. There we go. <laughs> uh, and Peter Barker can confirm that it is a thing that gets done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whether or not he approves of it or not, it yeah. is a thing that does get done. And Inkblot, wherever she is. She's right here, right next to me. You guys might have heard her at the beginning of the podcast. She was purring and making noise, chirping right next to me while then she tries to bite me. Uh, she, she's like, don't tell him I'm here. She, she's playful mode right now. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, pet spayed and neutered. Uh, share the podcast, rate, review. Um, if you have stuff you want us to talk about, let us know. Uh, topics are always good. We always... Like, oh, crap, what do we want to talk about this week? At least the book club, that that has helped with filling out content time. So, uh, yeah, until then, we'll see you all next time. Did she bleed you? Uh, No, not yet. I think it got away fast enough that I'm good. (laughs) She didn't even hesitate.